You're listening to the Unframe of Mind show, the place to have the most mind-stretching, unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life. Your hosts Daniel Wagner and Lee Mollendorf battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth, reason, and evidence over safe room walls. Oh shit! All right, you know we we just we just we just had a fantastic conversation a minute ago. Um, and then if you saw that that last video there between Ford and I, we had a little technical difficulties there, but that's all right. Don't worry. Shit happens. Shit no happens. worries. You still got the audio. You still hear that conversation just as just as much anyway um something i've been wanting to talk to you about um, hey and welcome back <laughs> just kidding <Hey. laughs> something, something i wanted something i really want to talk to you about mm-hmm. um and I, and I know this is near and dear to your heart because mm-hmm. I, I see you on facebook all the time always talking about your dad sappy shit yeah i and, and it, i mean i mean it's, it's good but and yeah. i'm just sitting here i'm looking at this and i'm going man this this dude holds his dad in such high regard and I wanted to, wanted to know if maybe you wanted to talk about, you know, give you an opportunity to kind of explain uh, why you look at him so highly and what it is that, you know, he means to you. Maybe maybe even get a little backstory to get started, you know, well, that kind of thing. You know, maybe who, who your daddy is to you. Well, there's several sides to this dude. <laughs> uh, but I had to say, to um, to start off with, a lot of the reason why I, um, you see me on Facebook and different, uh, whatever, is because um, um, there's a void there, you know, like <laughs> what, like keep, keep saying um, this is gonna be a long conversation. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Like when I used to hear people say, uh, oh, people go on social media to vent or whatever. Or, yeah. It, uh, I didn't understand it because like I used to y- use social media for my music now I find myself alone uh, most of the time and it, 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 it's, it's a safe way to get shit out of your system <laughs> you know what I'm saying people may not give a damn but for two seconds you feel like damn somebody sees what I'm going through right yeah but I guess it, I guess I was curious because I, I know you know what you put on social media is yeah, one thing yeah but I imagine there's a whole. That's just the tip of the iceberg oh, man, in terms yeah. of those personal struggle. You, might, yeah. you know, that's just that's just what's boiled over the top and leaked yeah, out yeah, into, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. world. It's a lot. It, it, it's it, shit's real. You like, can only imagine what's going on inside yeah. your head. You know. Yeah, it's shit's real. Like, uh, and then people suffer. People are suffering out here in this world. And uh, well, just just to be just to be clear to, yeah. to update the the, the listener yeah. is. Um, the fact that I didn't start seeing a lot of this until your father passed. Which, yeah, he passed in December. That's why this has become a... Yeah, he passed December 28th. Uh, and, um... Okay, so he... he uh, my dad was, um... A musician, fourthly. Like, first he was a... Uh, he was a father, all that good shit. But um, so okay. Let me get a backstory on. Him. He's from New Jersey, uh, Plainfield, New Jersey. Plainfield, New Jersey is a small ass city, like somewhere around Newark, New Jersey. Um, not that far from Newark, New Jersey. Okay, so there, um, he grew up pretty rough, right? Uh, but he met a guy named George Clinton. George Clinton is um. Uh, 
the founder of the band Parliament Funkadelic. It's a funny story how they met. Um, George is from North Carolina. I, I can't think of what city he's from right now. Uh, but uh, anyway, George came to New Jersey as a young man. And he started doing hair in Plainfield in Newark as well. But he met my dad. My dad, he left the house very young and he did hair. He learned how to do hair. Well, anyway, my dad had a lot of clients. Uh, he used to do hair in anybody's house, his mom's house, whoever's house. He ended up getting arrested in middle school, elementary school, junior high, something like that. He was in juvenile. George came to town, started doing hair. Mm-hmm. When my dad got out, he went back to doing hair and started taking his customers, taking George's customers. So long story short, George reached out and sent somebody to go get him, sent somebody to somebody's house to get him. And he brought him to the shop. He said, hey, man, like, just, you know, I want you to work here. So my dad started working there very young. Uh, from there, he went to Harlem. Um, it's funny because you never, okay, like, so when you're a kid and, like, your parents tell you shit, some of you like, ah, that shit don't, I don't believe that, you know? Yeah. Until you maybe, grew, maybe they're just making up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until you, because yeah. I, I know some of the stuff I've told my daughter, she probably don't believe none of it, you know what I'm saying? But then I got older. It's hard to imagine that maybe your so, father had a life before yeah, you, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> and so I found out that the shit was true. Like, he he um he worked in Harlem um, around a lot of great people. Uh, James Brown, uh joe lewis like he saw these guys you know like uh the boxer um he saw these guys in the heyday right and he was just a kid so anyway um from there it's a lot of shit that happened in between that but from there he ended up finding his way in, t uh, in detroit um hustling trying to make money he was a pimp you know like i hate to say it like that but it's the truth like he was a pimp by definition a, tr a, a true pimp like a yeah. like a true true solid pimp uh funny as hell um not a weak one but a solid one solid pimp um <laughs> had man. a firm backhand yeah 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 like but he but but smooth though um okay so they got so those so, who don't so when you slap the girls man he's but see that's the difference they, they loved him more for, for it for, for those who don't know there's different ways of pimping um right. there's gorilla pimps put a hand on a woman and there's uh smoother pimps he was the kind of sent a woman to nebraska for three months she come back got money if he, she don't got money then she gotta go kind of deal like it's a difference he 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 wasn't like that he 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 was smooth but he's a drug addict as well he's a lot of different shit right and uh, so that makes his testimony like way more interesting so anyway he met my mom in detroit mm -hmm. uh with george ended up moving to detroit when motown was still there george was writing for motown and um he couldn't get a record off and finally he got a record off called i want to testify and so his his thing started getting big and so somewhere in there my dad was in the barbershop doing hair back when they had press presses uh, the 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 uh, temptations that big ass hairstyle they used to wear they used to do that and um in the seventies seventy seven seventy six something like that he my dad told George come on down the road and my dad was like I don't do no fucking music what I want to do and then but somehow it was like a fish to water like he got out there started writing singing um really took to it huh? took to it quick yeah, yeah. and was like one of the biggest and hardest workers in that band. 
his catalog like grew fast you know and so anyway so when when you come into the picture i came in 85 by this point crack cocaine was super duper real like it had fucked everything up and so times were a little rough when i got here but for from about 78 the the, 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 uh i think his first tour was the uh uh, oh man, I hate to be wrong, but I, I want to say it was the Motor Booty Affair tour. Which that album um, has Flashlight was on there, I believe. Flashlight, I think that was on there. Um, and today was at the height at that point. Like they, they, they like they did a one of the biggest shows. That if you go on YouTube, you'll see it is the Houston tour and um, the Houston show. <laughs> And I mean, like, this is where they had the big ass, it might not even be Flashlight, but I think it was, where they had the big ass skull on stage with the joint coming out the skull's mouth, and um, the, the, the my dad had the big ass flashlight, and he, you know, the flashlight was like life size, it was huge, all right, and all uh, right. they, they were at the height, they were hitting on all cylinders, right? So anyway, that happened, then from there, um, he ended, he ended up. It's so many layers, so I don't want to go forever. But he ended up. Yeah, they got hit on, hit on some of the. Yeah, they, they got fucked too. around a lot, right? They would come home from tours for, for eight months with no money, so he always did what he knew. Went to the barber shop, but at that time in Detroit, Detroit was so bad, uh, drug wise. Some of the biggest drug dealers uh, in history. Uh, were raining at that time it was cracking and, 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 and it still ain't even recovered yet no it, it has it's getting better detroit is getting better but not nowhere near what it was in its heyday yeah. um so anyway we ended up leaving detroit because it was just too dangerous he worked at a shop um how, how old were you just, i was like three i used to sweep up the shop and um now your, your parents they they got married or did they, yeah they married shortly after my sister was born so she uh, was born younger? in 78. She's nine years older than me. Oh, okay. So yeah, they were married when I got here. And um, so we ended up leaving because shit was just too volatile. And him being a drug addict and a cool dude in the barbershop, people getting killed. Um, it was like this is for those who know anything about like drug kingpins in history, one of them was a dude named Maserati Rick. He had got killed shortly after I was born and my dad actually did hair in the shop across town where some of his enemies or whatever was at and shit was just too much so they left and went it to just LA kept, kept getting closer and yeah, closer, kept getting closer to, home. So. he knew everybody you know like yeah. the, the barbershop in that time like I, if some people ever seen the movie barbershop with Ice Cube that was a minor depiction of what their barbershop used to be like. Their, yeah, yeah. their barbershop. I mean, it seemed to be like, it's, it's like a social center. Yeah, it was you know, a central like location. Stuff yeah, there, yeah, Motown, like all the, like. Uh, it was like Twitter before there was Twitter. Right. <laughs> and I went back to Detroit in June and I talked to, ironically, some of the guys that were at the first shop he ever worked at when he came to Detroit. And they was telling me like, that was like the epicenter. Like you had the, all the Motown artists would come there, get their hair done, um, do drugs together. Like you got people like David Ruffin and, um, uh, uh, what's the lady's name? Uh, ta ta um, I can't think of her name. Tammy, uh, Tammy, the lady that sung with Mar uh, Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell. Uh, these were all musicians, but they're all drug addicts too, you know, and they all, got the drugs from the same guy and mm -hmm. smoked together and it was just it's just a, it, the backstory is crazy but anyway we ended up leaving Detroit got to LA and got homeless 
how did it happen? I don't know. I was a kid, so I don't Almost really know. Almost in L.A. Yeah, shit was just real, right? And you, and were, you were, how old were you? I got there in 87, so I was three years old. When we first moved there. So you don't really remember? I remember everything. You remember that? Oh, man. At three years old, yeah, man. man. I remember shit from when I was like, I remember my sister got, this dude tried to rape my sister. I was like two years old. And, oh, shit, that's And real. I was with her, and we fought the dude off. And um, I don't remember, I don't forget shit from that era. So when we got to Detroit, we were washing car windows picking up cans and bottles we living in a hotel 154th and western another drug fested drug infested area um um where you could see a kid get blown away by a drive-by like you walk out your hotel and um what we just call them roach motels because you check in you go to the bathroom open up the, <laughs> yeah. the toilet seat and roaches be everywhere because the light on it was just fucked up i've been in one before yeah, it's real I know, I know what you're it's talking about. Bull. It's some bull. And um, we lived in shelter. We lived in a shelter on Gramercy Place. And I had my first real Christmas there. Like, they, they, they donated big, every kid got a big bag. And it was, like, all kind of toys and stuff, clothes. And um, so, anyway, funny story is Whoopi Goldberg and um, Robin Williams. And what was the dude's name from City Slickers, the movie City Slickers? Um... Oh, the dark haired dude. I can't think of his name yeah, right now. But they had a, a um they had they had a charity called Comic Relief. So one day we was outside and I, this is all going into the point of me talking about my dad and who he was. Okay. We were washing windows outside of a Bank of America on, on um Sunset Boulevard one night and this guy put up in like a station wagon and we we had this thing where we would say me and my mom would go because i was a kid my sister was older so she was embarrassed she didn't she didn't she would sit on the bus stop while we watched she would work sometime but you can imagine for a 13 14 year old to be standing yeah, outside like you, you might see your school <laughs> buddies or whatever so a little traumatizing yeah, for her traumatizing. She, she's just coming into her own exactly and she's out she here is. in the middle of the street and people laughing and shit yeah. so and I, was, I can imagine you I wouldn't want to associate yourself with exactly <laughs> yeah. so i was out there so me and mom we walk up to people and say hey do you mind if we wash your car windows for some spare change if they said yes my dad will hop out of nowhere with a with a little spray bottle of windex and newspaper and we just hit the car real quick washing it and then they'll give us whatever so th we asked this one guy and he was like no, nah, I'm fine. And he walked behind me and my mom and walked up to my dad. And what I found out him to say later, he told my dad, he said, hey, man, you need to get your family out of these streets, man. Like, this ain't the move, right? It's a white guy. And he told my dad, he said, man, just hang tight. I'll be right back. He goes in the Bank of America. He comes out. What I found out later, gave my dad an envelope with a business card and like $600 in it, right? And told my dad to call him. So he told we left now this is a little sidebar if when we made a certain amount of money right he, my dad had the saying one down 99 more to go than we eat so we would stay out there until we had enough money to get a hotel and some food right yeah and if we really did well we get kentucky fried chicken right so oh, this, that, that was the that was the like, that was a delicacy that was, for you, huh? exactly so this not this day I knew it was something serious that had just happened because we went straight to KFC. We got on the bus, went straight to KFC, got the <laughs> big not pass go. with the little strawberry uh, uh, strawberry shortcake little cups that they used to have. He's like, and yeah, we, whatever you want, yeah, right. whatever you want, dude. But we balled out that day, right? So later on, he ended up calling him, and, and his name was Randy White. And I, and I swear, Randy, if you see this, please contact me. Um, um, he was a painter, artist, and... Um, 
what it was was this is the guy that gave him the, the envelope yeah 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 he worked for comic relief like as a contractor or something basically what they what they were doing were they were t- was they was taking families off of the street um doing an article on them in the la times and drawing murals he he, he not drawing painting murals of them right right and so what he did he took us into his studio for six months or something like that six weeks something like that i can't remember exactly how long it was we lived in the studio it was dope as hell like he had like a kitchen he had like a, these bunk beds in the back room toys for the kids right um my sister had a 15th birthday that i'll never forget and he and so what we did we posed for this um picture in front of his studio and he took a picture of it then he went back and painted this big mirror right and um you, you have yeah i got it and i posted it i give it to you you can post it or whatever yeah, yeah and um um so 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 we stayed there he painted it then he hooked us up with a section eight housing we didn't my mom and dad didn't know anything about that they, in detroit they just hustled so they never needed that you know lost we lost a lot of houses uh in detroit they lost a lot of houses but anyway they got us in there. He got us off the street. We ended up having an apartment or whatever. Anyway, Randy was a great dude. We used to wash. We used to clean his house. He turned us on to other folks. We cleaned his house. Now, I don't believe that Randy ever knew my father was a drug addict. I don't. To this day, I don't think he ever knew that. The reason I say that, I met. Uh, not, I didn't meet. He had an assistant named Jan Williams. She was beautiful. Tall, red head with freckles, right? White lady. Gorgeous. I'm like five the first time i seen it and i was like in love with this lady oh. right <laughs> yeah, yeah. i ended up finding her on facebook i've seen her and I, I i went to la and i got on a bus and went to her art gallery out in santa monica and saw her i mean she, they were impactful people like she and she she used to watch me and my sister her and her mother uh certain nights but uh anyway so that was how we got off the street um we lost contact with randy he he was such a good dude he had like these old school cars he um asked my dad i don't know what happened why he had to leave la but he asked my dad to help him drive some of his cars to texas he ended up getting into a car wreck and then we lost contact after that but anyway my dad was the kind of dude that he 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 it, no matter where he went and i found this out after he died he made relationships with people because he was a good person he he's been at the highest of heights that you could be at and the lowest of lows and everywhere in between he met people that genuinely respected him cared for him it was to the point where like in la there's a park called um oh man uh, i can't even think of it right now but it used to be one of the dangerous parks most dangerous parts you you didn't want to walk through that at night right but they knew him because they knew he was a musician and the band that he played with so if he went to score dope, they wouldn't fool with him. If he wasn't there and my mom needed to go, like she would take, uh, damn, what's that part? Um, if she went without him, she'd take us through there and score her little dope. They would never fool with her because they knew that that was wrong for his wife. They wouldn't fuck with her, you know? Um, not that he was just some like, you know, like menacing dude, but he was just a good dude. And nobody well, would respect him. Yeah, they, you know, he didn't never hurt nobody, never take nothing from nobody. He wasn't your traditional crackhead, I like to say. You know, it's just some, <laughs> right. you know, some families had that crackhead to steal your VCR and all that kind of stuff. He that wasn't him. He was, uh, he worked for everything he ever got. And um, so after he died, I found myself, um, you know, kind of 
disconnected with life because it was the first time I had ever faced life without him, right? And uh, he, he got clean like in 96. Um, my mom didn't, but he did. And um, uh, So were they still together? Yeah, they never, yeah, they never, 43 years they stayed together. That's, that's incredible. And, um, the, 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 I mean, do some funny shit. I get <laughs> you, you're talking. You're talking about a, a rarity in the black community. It's oh yeah, the fact yeah, yeah. that you did have your father. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, and then the together. Yeah, with the with the woman that he made the right. deal with. That don't happen that often. Um, that is a rare thing. And um, how much how much you think that attributed to how, where you are today and and your mentality? Oh, I, man, I'd be dead if either one of them were not there because the funny thing is we left los angeles because of my mother yeah we survived los angeles because of my father we survived life in general because of both of them it's like it's a it, you have to have both it, it took it took a little bit of people say all the time oh i can raise my kid without they dead i don't need it fuck that's bullshit you can do it and somebody chris rock said it perfect best and i might might not say it right he's like you can drive a car with your feet you know what i'm saying but that don't mean it's the safest and the smartest thing to do right. you know what i'm saying and so um without both of them shit would have went south because i was getting to the age in los angeles that gangs and shit was starting to mess with me you know what i'm saying and this is at the height of gang we left la in 94 um from 92 to 94 91 92 94 like I'm a good dude. I'm a cool dude. I like to be social and shit. But in L.A. at that time, that was a bad trait to have because that'll get you caught up in some shit that you don't need to be in. And um, so anyway, they got us out of there. He got clean. She that, didn't. That would have put you about teenage years or so, right? No, I was a, I was, I was, I was six, seven. Six and fucked with Wait, where, where were you born again? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. So I was born in eighty-four. So I guess we're about the same age. Yeah, yeah. Like right, I was I getting, you. I was getting beat up and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like early, like you know. Um, I was exposed to life in a real foul way, very young. That's why I remember everything because it was just like shit you don't forget. Stuff yeah, you never forget. Yeah, that would be hard to. Yeah, you don't forget seeing, uh, you know, man, you don't forget some shit, you know. And um, so he, he was, um, he, he was important to me. But then when he passed, I realized how important he was to other people. When he died, he didn't have insurance or nothing. He had been sick for seven years. He had lost his job. He had to leave his job. And when he left his job, he worked for the bus company, MTA. He didn't have enough time vested to where he they would just give him insurance or whatever. Yeah. And his illness wouldn't allow, it would have been astronomical prices to pay for insurance with his illness, so he couldn't do it. So when he died, we had to come up with like $8,000 in like a week, right? And so we did a GoFund. Which that's, that's, that's tough to do. For that's hard folks, to do. Yeah. But in the first I know I two days, I, right now. I couldn't do it again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. But what happened when he when he passed, we were sitting in the hospital and um, he died of liver failure. His, uh, um, it, was a, it was his kidneys, liver, a lot of his his uh, stomach, his uh, pancreas, every shit was just a lot bad. of stuff just yeah. shutting down. Just but um, we were sitting in the hospital and looking at him, just, we just all dumbfounded, just looking at him, like. And then my mom said, "Wait a minute, we gotta bury him." And it was like, "What the fuck? How are we gonna do that?" And I probably had like six hundred dollars in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, "What's that gonna do?" You know? And my mom was just like, "Fuck it, let's just do a." Um, um, cremation. Oh yeah, yeah. 
And I'm like, hell no, nah, he been through hell already. Like, we don't need to fire him up. You know, I'm like, they're not going to do that. So for like a day, I'm sitting like, man, hell, I'm going to come with this money. And in my mind, the first thing I think about is how, just how if the mind is weak, you can fall for some foolish shit. I was to the point where I was like, well, I'm going to go take the money that I need, you know, because, I mean, I've been, I've done a lot of crazy yeah, shit. Crossed, crossed your mind as, yeah, a, as an option. Oh, yeah, it's it like, it's the only option because it's like, I don't know where this is going to come from. Right? Yeah. And, um, but then I was sitting there before he passed. He had an idea to do a GoFund to help finance an album that he wanted to do. He wanted to do a gospel yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. And he brought it to me. I didn't even know what GoFund was. He found it from somebody else. And um, GoFundMe.com. GoFundMe.com. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, damn, what about that GoFundMe thing he's talking about? So I got on. The first day, um, nobody even looked at it. I don't, think, I don't even think. I don't know what happened. By the third day, we had about $600, $700 in there. That weekend, that's got to be like that shit shot up for to sure. like three thousand. Now, no kidding. This and and this is because of all the people that you touched and. What killed me was when you go on GoFundMe.com and you donate, you can leave a comment. Right. So as I'm reading through these comments and it, and comments are coming in from Facebook and Twitter and then his account had was open. My mom had his account open on her computer. I mean, people just sending in love, right? And the comments were not generic it was stuff that i knew these people knew him there's no way they could say this stuff if they didn't know him yeah he was the kind of guy he had a name for everybody so all of a sudden it became real for you like it was like, like man he, he really he really impacted a lot of people's yeah, lives it wasn't just me you know what which i'm saying only just kind of added to your reverence of him i would imagine exactly. yeah. the guy a guy a guy a guy messaged me on facebook and said he, he said um i'm man i, I forget his name but he said, uh, I, you, he said, I met you when you was a kid. He said, me, you, and your mom, I gave y'all a ride to a concert. I met y'all in the Valley, and I, and, um, I gave y'all a ride to a P-Funk concert, and I didn't believe your dad was in the band until we got to the show, and they let us in the backstage, and then when he got on the um, stage, they were showing him so much love. And I was like crazy. It was like, wow, you know. And he was a college student at that time when we met him. And um, he said, your dad was just so generous and so caring and da-da-da-da-da. And when I'm reading stuff like this, I'm like, damn, you know, like, he, it wasn't just us that he affected. He affected a lot of people, not just through the music, through just personal relationships. Yeah, right, right. And um, it, was a, it was just amazing to me because all the shit that we went through, I never thought that anybody recognized. It was kind of like, yo, guys, like, we're fucked up over here. We need help. But people were praying for us. People were there. Maybe not physically, but to me, just knowing somebody thought of us throughout those times, you know. And it was funny because uh, a lady named Satori, um, Je Je Jessica Cleves, uh, I went and did her show in Detroit, uh, Twisted Storytellers, and after I did my thing, she said that she found out we was homeless to the LA Times. She said one of the guys in the band called and said, Satori, Jessica, um, uh, Ron Ford is on the LA Times, like they homeless and da 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 da. And I didn't even know that at the time, you know, like, like, um, I didn't know, I didn't even know we were homeless, really, to be honest with you. I knew we didn't have money, but I didn't know that 
it was like a thing. Like this is yeah, a thing. Yeah, like homies making it, making yeah, it through. Yeah, day this by is day. life. Us, we was just right. rolling, you know. And it was fun. It was. Ha- I, I mean, it went all fun. Like getting up at five o'clock in the morning. Pushing. Imagine, imagine, pretty, pretty, uh interesting yeah. give you a lot of stories to tell a lot. but kind of fucked up at the it, same time. it was fucked up because yeah. it, a lot of his illnesses you could trace back to some of the shit that we went through not even just the drug and abuse but uh, uh he used to push cans and bottles now if la is not like san francisco where it's just hills on top of hills but it is not flat either like there's a lot of up yeah. and down and he used to get up early in the morning and he would take shopping carts and tie them together Fill them up with cans and bottles and just walk all through LA. Back then, you can you you could you could cash in the cans and bottles and get yeah. money for them, decent amount of money. I mean, he at the end of the day, he might make one hundred fifty something like that, probably more than some people making on a job. It's not bad. <laughs> and um, but he had a, a alignment issue in his back. His his spine spinal column was fucked, and we got to thinking about it. It's like, damn, maybe. All that pushing them damn cars because he would have five, six cars tied. And it, he wasn't nothing but my size. He was about my size now, maybe a little taller. And um, but he did every and anything he had to do that didn't include taking something from somebody or hurting somebody else. That, that's gotta make. That's gotta put a message in the back of your mind. It's like, damn, if this guy can get out there and hustle the yeah, way he hustles yeah. and, and do the way he does, and take yeah. care of his family, well, I yeah. ain't got nothing to complain. No about. excuse. It's no and like no even excuses. now, like I'm going through a divorce now, and I look back and I and I'm I fucked up a lot of stuff, uh, and there's a reason behind the fuck ups, and uh, maybe we can get to it a little bit. But one thing um, he was was mentally strong. Now some people will say it's impossible because he was a drug addict, but you cannot get it misconstrued. People have addictions. People have issues. People have. There's a lot of high functioning addicts out there that extremely multi million dollar exactly. corporations and shit. And he was a high functioning addict running a multi million dollar worth family. Like 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 he was he was running a family at a high level, even though it don't look like it. But he, me and my sister are both very smart, intelligent. Um, whatever you want to say, not to toot our own horn, but just I mean, the no, fact you, of the matter no, is, I totally get it. Yeah, it's, like it's we, part of the reason I asked you. Yeah, like here, we, we somehow we dusted can, ourselves off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And but, and this is a lesson that I like to always pass on. Mental health is very important because you can. Some people are just bulletproof. No matter what you do to them, they will hold an upright image, but inside, be destroyed. You know, and what happened throughout that walk. Because certain things didn't get rectified, not within self, because everything starts within self. Um, we didn't fix some things before we got out into the real world. Yeah, we ha- we made a lot of mistakes because we were trying to function. Um, we we were trying to function without settling some things, you know. And so, like for example, like in my marriage, um. I had a great wife, but I couldn't match that or surpass that because inside I had so many undealt with issues that my ability to communicate was kind of uh, sketchy at best. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Some of my fears 
some of my anger was present because I had never dealt with certain things. I remember my mom told me before I even moved, she was still using, but but I left the house kind of young. She told me, uh, you need to get counseling before you try to go out here. She had been through rehabs. And one thing you learn in rehab, my dad never went to rehab. He quit cold turkey. I don't know how he did that, but um, I do. But but it took her a lot more. But through that process, she learned a lot about herself, about mental health, about all these kind of things. And what she found out in rehab was that um, you you have to address they could be small issues but they will turn into gigantic ones if they're not addressed as, in a proper manner and it's deeper than just talking to a buddy or talk, you have to talk some stuff you have to go somewhere where somebody has experienced what you're dealing with yeah. and so she tried to offer that to us but we didn't take it because I, I was like my dad, like shit, I don't need shit. You know, I can do this on my own. Kind of, kind of like the, the families of addicts also could benefit from talk therapy. You, you and have stuff to. Like that. You have yeah. to. I got a buddy right now that uh, has a program in Indiana called Men of Honor. It's a prison uh, outreach program, and one thing that I'm trying to do with that, he's trying to get me is to come in and speak to them about their families because you know when you're sitting in prison, it's. A, you never know how bad you can damage a person until it's too late. And, and you know, and um, um, a lot of people don't understand what that walk could do to you. You know, like when you're out there in the battlefield, you only feel what you feel. You're not seeing the residual effect that's just trickling down on the people behind you. And my dad, he, he didn't dodge that fact. He just, yeah. yeah, he found his relationship with God. And so when he did that, he didn't dismiss what we had been through and the issues that we had because of it. He just started dealing with it according to um, the best he knew how. So he was there. He tried to nurture us through it and help us through it. But like I said, sometimes you have to go to someone who has experienced in, in, in that realm to help you because um, some shit ain't just ain't, just ain't as cut and dry as, right. as, as we would think. We would like to think some stuff you got to dig deep into, into, and then it takes somebody who's strategic with it to, to get it out. Knows how to guide you. Yeah, to that, just like marriage spot, counseling. Yeah. yeah, some people. I, I was totally against marriage counseling forever until uh, me and my wife begin to hit that bad, bad place. And then when I went. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe I can't fix this by I can't, myself. I can't. Maybe, maybe what, there's something. <laughs> maybe it's me. I don't know. You know what's funny about that? As strong as he was, he even admitted before he passed last summer, he told my sister, she told me this after the fact, um, he said, one thing that's killing me inside is that for the first time in his life, talking about me, he couldn't fix my problem. So he came to a, a, a realization before towards the end he couldn't he wasn't he he wasn't not strong as he thought but he couldn't do it all you know what i'm saying because for my whole life he was able anything i got into he was right there to to whatever fix it guide me pull me out of it but this one the situation that was between me and my wife and uh for those like marriages a two two person thing. It's not a three person thing. A four or five person thing. Wait, really? Are you you're kidding, you're kidding two, me? I it, don't even it's know. A, <laughs> it's a two person sport. You're talking some blasphemy yeah, right here. You know, but at the end of the day, um, it's you, you can go get help, but that's a thing that between you and that person that you married and whatever foundation it is built on. Yeah, y'all got the know, final say. So. Y'all got the final say. So he was he was helpless, and that to me that was like a uh, uh that was a um. 
when I heard that, it was like, damn, dude. That showed me even more how much he loved me because he, it was killing him that he couldn't help me. You know, yeah. it was like his hands were tied. And even now, like between me and my wife, uh, I hurt a lot because there's nothing I can do. You know, it's nothing I can do about the past. There's nothing I can do about anything but today on my, like I can't even help her. You know, like I can give her money. I can be whatever, whatever but I can't help her heart. I can't help her nothing you know what i'm saying it's, it's, yeah, it's, i totally i totally get what you're yeah, talking about because yeah. because my mom's you know she she's done the same thing still yeah. stood from the outside going man i you know i really want to help you i want to yeah. be able to come in there and just just hold you and yeah yeah you know the best, best she can do is tell me everything's gonna be okay that's but all she can, can she can't actually help that's all you can as do as much as she wants to and, yeah. and and i and i totally get it it's it's that that powerlessness of of man, I wish I could make my baby's woes go away. Yeah, I wish yeah. I could help him out, but, but this is life. He's got to learn. You know? Yeah, this yeah, is life. Got to go through the struggle, just like you know. Exactly. You like got to realize did. when you have children, for one, you're sacrificing a lot. Oh boy, <laughs> I got four. Deeper, baby. you ain't lying. See, but see, and and well, how old is your oldest? My oldest is fourteen. Okay, so you already be, you've begun to you see. Got, you got kids. By I got the a ten year old. A ten year old. Yeah, and I'm beginning to see as I'm pretty sure you are too that that um, it's nothing you can do. Because it's going to come to a point where they, no matter how hard we try to hold them, they're going to start seeing stuff. Yeah. And the, the, I mean, the best you can possibly, this, this took me a while to come to terms with yeah. this, the best I can do. Yeah. yeah. It don't matter what I say to them. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I can say all the positive yeah. things in the world to yeah. them. They're looking at the way I behave. Yeah. And they're yeah. looking at me as a role it's model. Exactly. That's, That's it. the best you can do That's is it. be that and role that was, just like your dad was that, for that, you. That was the benefit of having him uh, because... If no, I used to always tell them, watch out, man, I got this, man. I figured this out. I, I used to say, because um, if I didn't learn nothing from y'all, I learned how to do stuff the wrong way. Now, this is when I was a young, young kid. But as I got older, I only, I, I, I only really learned one bad habit from them. And that was... The... I had to figure out how to explain this. Their drug addiction was them being not strong enough to face their own reality. There's the word, their way of dealing with their dealing. inner issues. That was their only weakness. Yeah. Now, after 31 that's years. It's like, that's like the, 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 the mantra of, of an addict. Exactly. You know? that, 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 in, no, they, no other weaknesses but the inability to be able to deal with their problem. They could, they would, they would sacrifice their life for anybody else's problem. See, I can, I can imagine. I'm, I'm looking at the, the parallels. Here. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at. Okay, you looked at your dad, and you got a lot of positive role model type things yeah. in terms of your work ethic yeah. and hustling and, and, yeah. and taking care of yourself, self responsibility. Yeah. But when it came to dealing with those inner issues and dealing with those problems, you tended to do the same thing. Same. My counselor told he, me he used, he used the, the, uh, the drugs to deal and with I that use issue. Women, and I use. Um, I use women. I use uh, inclusion. You know, like I used um, um, anything you can do to kind of skate around and try to anything patch I it over with a band aid or something to like feel that. better. Yeah, uh, I did. I never would do drugs. I mean, I smoke weed, but I never would smoke crack. Yeah, ever. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily ever. count. Yeah, <laughs> weed, weed, drug, weed was cool. I was that was just the government yeah, calls it that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> screw them. Um, anyway. But my my counselor even told me, I, I had went to jail and I, they put me on anger management. 
and uh, my counselor told me. Wait, you angry? I'm, <laughs> I, honestly, I nah. You, it, I people don't even, believe it. I can't even imagine. She told me. She said Sorry, that you. She said you. She said you love your wife more than you love yourself. And I said, why? Why do you say that? She said, because everything you're telling me is shit that you should apply to yourself. She said, but it's like you would rather sacrifice yourself than to let her suffer. Like, and and just may, like I, your dad did just like you. him, because he like tried him. to suppress instead of because. Okay, let's just say he would have had a moment where he said, "Well, you know what? I'm finna go get help." That would have been time away from us. You know, that'd have been ain't no telling what could have happened. He could have went off and dealt with his issues and then found some new uh insight about life and that might have changed the way he dealt with us i don't know you know it could have done a lot of things to him my mom she went to 13 rehabs right luckily Lord. i think she had a record in tennessee like she's big shit down <laughs> here like she knew every drug addict every counselor everything you want to know um and but it, it she missed a lot of our life though she missed you so, know so, so your mom was for long periods while she's in the rehab yeah you i mean she could be in there for, for six, six months oh months yeah you could be in the months you could oh, be in there six weeks Lord. six months you could be in there as long as it takes and if you your insurance would take it yeah and you kids but he feel never that sure. left. he never left mm -hmm. he came home one day it was funny shit ever to me now he came home one day Tupac had just died, if I ain't mistaken. We was rattled from that, like, already, right? And <laughs> I, I, love, I love when your stories, you're like, you got these real moments, and you're like, oh, and Tupac. Yeah, like, like that had like, just these happened, are, these right? Are time yeah, right, at Marcus, right? So he came home one day, and this was the traditional, um, now, mind you, he worked for, uh, at this time, BFI Trash Company, right? I don't even know how he could smoke after being out of the sun all day long. I don't mm -hmm. know. But I guess he had to. I don't know. One day he come home and come in the house. I was sitting on the floor and he went in the bedroom and went to sleep. Now, to most families, that seemed like the norm. You know, father get home, go take a nap. That was not the norm in our house. Our house, he come home and he have his little package that he didn't picked up on the way home. And he would go sit in the room for five minutes and come out freaked out his mind walking around picking up shit mailing with everything and this particular day he actually laid down and went to sleep so i'm sitting there i'm waiting i'm like because it was embarrassing as a, as a kid like you had your friends over your dad come out tweaked out and shit they know yeah, you know yeah. mom tweaked out people know they might not know exactly what it is but they know something right but this day it was like he, he didn't do nothing it was like damn so day went by two days went by three days was like wait a minute this shit is getting crazy like you know but from hey, Dad, that you okay, moment buddy? You right? on from that moment on to the day he died he never was away from us ever my mom she would go to rehab he'd be home you know and that was crazy right because for, um me i was growing up i was um the, the period my mom was just wilding out was high school years middle school high school years and i remember um walking and this is a testament to how i don't go off too far off track but this is a testament to his strength and his sacrifice deeper than itself um she would take money from us when i got i started working at about 13 14 at this place called wyndham retirement home and i'd make a little i don't know 75 dollars a week something like that whatever yeah. it was and she would take our money. I have it hidden in a pillowcase. And a, take, like, whatever. steal it from yeah, you? Yeah, steal it. Bam. You'd be asleep. you think you got creative. you got it in a sock in a pillowcase. Somehow she roll your head. Or, you know, a mother's touch, even if she high, it's, it's pretty smooth, soothing. So you're, oh, not yeah, really, yeah. you're not really feeling nothing, but you're feeling it, and boom, you wake up, no money. As and, you, a, and, you, and you knew it was her? Yeah, every time. As a young man, Gosh, 
Man, I'm sorry. Dude. As a young man, it's like, damn, mom, like for real. So, not to shit on my mom at all. Cause my mom is the dopest person, no pun intended. She's the coolest person, period, right? But she went through life, you know. She had, and then to find out what she had went through in her life, molestation. That sounds like a whole rape, other. You have to tap into the core. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in long story short, um, at this time, I didn't know what she had been through she was just doing shit taking money being a typical drug addict so i tell my dad I said, Man, you got to get her out of here dude like for real this we can't keep going through this but he never turned his back on her yeah. she go and she come my dad to this day is in like six thousand dollars in debt with my pastor because we lived in one of his houses he say we don't own men's name but i know what he what my dad owed him because he couldn't keep up because she would take 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 but he stood firm on his marriage he never left you know and he never left us you know so now i look at that and i say that in itself is a strength that i couldn't even begin to imagine because me and my wife i think I, a lot of that had to do with christian values that the, you say christian values was a real important the, part too a, a, a little as far as marriages truth of the matter is his pastor like told him well our pastor told him he said he went to the pastor and was like what am i supposed to do about her and the pastor told him he said well, did she wait for you? And he said, yeah. He said, well, then there you have it. You got to wait for her. And luckily, it, it worked. You know what I'm saying? It worked out. It took a while, but it worked out, you know? And um, he was just a strong dude. And it, and it wasn't even it wasn't even like the religion is, that's what he was grounded on. Like, if you'd have met him, like, he, he he's coming with it, you know? But just, I think, watching his mother suffer the way she did, not having a relationship with his father, seeing life at an early age, he had it made up in his mind. So he he was gonna do that. It wasn't gonna be me. Better for you. I was gonna. He was gonna break just that like cycle. You're doing better exactly. for your kids. Exactly. I would hope. Exactly. He's, so let me let me let me bring this back to to more of a a, a bigger picture mm -hmm. in terms of society overall, mm -hmm. and, and see how we can apply this because because mm -hmm. there's I think there's something real important here that mm -hmm. that needs to be pointed out yeah. is the fact that no matter how fucked up your situation was coming up mm -hmm. no matter how many of them inner demons your dad mm -hmm. had and your mom had mm -hmm. just the fact that you had your father in your life mm -hmm. you know all them years mm -hmm. makes made so much of a difference <laughs> compared to you know imagine all these other folks out yeah. there who come up with a single mom they yeah. got no dad they may not even know who their dad right, is right right mom's got men coming in and out they right. don't have that role model they right. don't have that strength that right. that cornerstone right. of strength to hold on to to be able to look up to to be able to become something more right because of it right like it's, it's just blowing my mind i mean i know your story is just an, an anecdote yeah. it's not necessarily you know I think there's something something bigger here that needs to be just really addressed be, is the importance of just be having there. you know being there for your kids <laughs> yeah. you know you know yeah, you yeah. know don't don't be going out there and doing all these women just be there because you get in my story you get both sides yeah my dad just was there I was there but not there sometimes and just that little not being there caused my family my personal family. To, to, to fold like term, turmoil just, just for the, sure yeah. I was there in my mind but you let my wife tell I wasn't there and if I, when I look back on it and be honest with myself I was there but I wasn't there so you might there. have been there physically but you but weren't I there engaging there. You. dude and I have made it my matters. point like you because I, I know the way you are with your children and I be try, I try to tell people all the time just be there you could be broke 
you could you could literally like my, my you could be a drug addict homeless on the street but if you're there, you're there that makes it's gonna all count. the difference and i'll tell you what i've seen it can you imagine how much the world would change if just that just be there. simple thing I I I, I preach you know, that. Don't, don't sit there and keep going, man. You know the world's keeping me down. There's a, there's a problem going on. Just be there in the morning. Just be there. Just wait. Like it, it, one thing is, uh, is a man. I implore all men to take this. Uh, and what's one guy was saying? Well, yeah, let's address the men, and yeah. then here in a minute we're gonna address the women too because yeah. they're oh, just I got as some much, shit to say for them too. Yeah, let's, let's start with the men. <laughs> but with the men, because you are a man, there is a magnitude that your presence. It's it, 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 it's 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 immeasurable. So, for the men, pride is a bigger killer than cancer, in my opinion, because your pride will allow something as minute as your financial state detour you. It'll make you take a penitentiary chance that will remove you from your children's life just because you feel like I gotta do something. That that type of thinking right there will get you screwed, and not only you, but it will affect generations of your family so you gotta dumb yourself down not dumb it down but you have to bring yourself down to a point where you gotta say what's more important to me is it giving my children or family the things of this world that people say is so important that I, or just or taking up that day by day maybe either either is my family more important or is this this image, image that I need to keep up that, that my the, family is important. Yeah. It's, it my, like, ask it's, for help. You're just yeah, saying, hey, yeah. you know, if you need help, ask for help. Man, a friend of mine just passed. Uh, we had his funeral Sunday. He's, he, and, one, and just real quick, I, I I lost my house. My first house that I had, I lost. I was like 20. I bought it too young. I didn't know nothing about nothing. I bought this house. And I lost. And I went to him. I said, hey, man, he was a drug dealer. Not to run, He was a great dude, but he was in the business of doing, selling drugs. And I went to him. I said, man, I need help. I, I didn't say I need help. I said, can you basically front me something so I can get out of this situation? I mean, I didn't say it like that. But I, he was like, do I need some stuff? And he said, man, dude, that's not you. He's like. You were, you were desperate. <laughs> I was desperate. Yeah. He said, but that's not you, man. He said, you got to do what you got. He said, if you need help, that's one thing. Just ask for help. He said, but you don't want to change the cold course of your life for one little incident, one little situation that ain't going to make a hell of a lot of difference yeah. in your life. No way. And it's you probably not your, as bad as yeah, you. Yeah, you lose your house. What's the be, worst? You, yeah. you, go, you go get your apartment. You go get whatever you got to do. Yeah, life goes on for sure. That kind of humility you have to have because this world it ain't easy so men have to realize that this world is going to throw a lot of shit at you to distract you but the ultimate and most important thing that you have ever is your family you bring these kids into this world you're got you're responsible for them yeah and look if you want to have an impact on the world yeah. if you want to you, you're not going to be able to control you know even if everything's true what the media tells you yeah. if everything's completely true and white yeah. man's really keeping you down yeah. the yeah. police are yeah you can't control that. Yeah, what yeah. you can control is your family. It's your output. You can control. Yeah, yeah. And and you can dictate how your yeah, family yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you start to control. That's you know, To change the world. That's enough it. people do that. Now let's talk to the women for a minute. What do you, what do you got to say about about the women? I can start women, if you want. <laughs> women have to have, and I, I had to speak to black women, specifically, because, I feel like the media in the way black men have either allowed the media to use them or their misuse of their media resources uh 
have a, it has caused a lot of women to not value themselves. And what I mean by that is there is a certain level. There's a certain respect that all women should have and re for themselves demand for, like for, for themselves. themselves like you, you like it, it, it's not even like a uh you either you do or you don't it should be demanded you know and men should uphold it with no talk back it should just be what it is but somewhere down the line that 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 value has depreciated in our society black white latino latina or wherever you want to go with it they don't have the same i've heard about this i've never seen it with my own eyes well i've seen it on small scales but there was a point i've heard that women were upheld now not to say men didn't do dirty stuff but in a public forum women were held on a Held to a higher standard. Higher standard. Yeah. They might not even been able to vote, but in their home. Well, think about it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, according to society and the, and the church, you mm -hmm. know, it, what happens if you had a child out of wedlock? Oh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Socially yeah. ostracized. Yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. you're like, you don't want to be yeah. like that lady. Yeah. You, you had know? a standard to up to, to live up but to. Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Here, here's where the biggest, I think the biggest mm -hmm. problem is, is, is when the welfare state came in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was I think it was uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell mm -hmm. said that the welfare state has done more for more to harm the black community mm -hmm. than even the harshest racism mm -hmm. and Jim Crow laws could have, ever do. The black family is so weakened. Have you ever now. heard of the movie called uh, Claudine? Mm -mm. Look, look it up. Claudine. It got James Earl Jones and um, I love that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Diane Carroll. Diane okay. Carroll. Um, it's a story of a black lady with about four or five kids, no husband in the home, no man in the home. At that time, if you were on welfare assistance, you could not have a man in the home because if you did, they would be responsible. So, you know, it's the same kind of concept today. Yeah, yeah. Like if your household makes such amount of money, you can't you're not uh, qualified for assistance. But back then they would come to your house, make sure there's nobody in there, because if it was, then they would have to take their income. And then you they will lose, you, yeah, yeah, you will lose your mm -hmm. benefits, right? This movie is centered around that concept, right? So what that did to Claudine was, first of all, she was ostracized because she had five kids and no man. So that kills your self esteem right there. You yeah, know what I'm saying. So yeah. if and you, that that sends a message to other women. Yeah, yeah. So all hey, y'all need to keep your damn legs closed. Exactly. Pick, then also the what bar, it did you know? too was it killed herself. It seems so bad that her, her she would. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because what it happens is when you um when when you when a black woman goes to work or any woman goes to work right and she got these five kids and all her friends are like well you know they know you're on welfare. That's one. Of the, that's what, like a big. That's embarrassing. You know, it's like... It used to be more, it used to, more embarrassing. Yeah, it, that's sure. why back when the standard was higher. Now it's kind of damn accepted, which is yeah. crazy. It's like... Oh, now it's almost like a mark of pride. Yeah, oh, you get the food stamp? I see people on Facebook like, man, who got the food stamps? Like, that's like a trading card like dude yeah. you, you, they, first of all this money is coming out of my pocket you know my taxes you know yeah, so, and you sure. just fooling with them you know but also also what that welfare state did to the black community was it set up black women to accept whatever comes case in point man meets a woman with five kids no husband he can say whatever he want to her because he thinks she needs him mm -hmm. so now you had these black women accepting 
nothing, you know, accepting the bull from these dudes just so that they can have the normal things that women do want. Because women are human. They want compassion. They want love. They yeah, want yeah. the feeling of it, if not the real thing. And so you had a lot of people, men, able to capitalize and bring the property value down. So you got, these, these, women. You got these low rent men sneaking around. Sneaking around, having what they want because they know I, one of the biggest sins uh, that fucked up men have they'll tell a woman are you want you got kids you won't find nobody to they want you i mean that i mean that should be true that's true but that's a bad way to put it in a woman's <laughs> mind because what happens then she it's just it's just she, she it's, says oh you're right it's equivalent yeah. to cheating on your wife when you marry a woman her queen hat is way up here she's like that's your you, you got her on the pedestal mm-hmm. but when you start cheating treating her bad misusing her taking her for granted you start knocking that and, down and telling her that she can't do no better yeah you now you went you went from queen now she in the dumps there's nothing more dangerous than a woman with no self-esteem because she's liable to go f- for or do anything well, look if if women start to raise the bar on the type of quality men they're gonna have, exactly. men will raise their bar too. Cause they, I'm sorry, I, I want, I want to, I want to fuck something. I want to stick. Period. With you. Period. You know and and if I got, if I got to come up in there in a suit and a nice tie now, and I got to have some flowers, what and, caters? You know, I got to treat you like with respect. Exactly. I'm gonna do whatever now, I can do. Now, what caters to that redevelopment of the woman? It goes back to the man. Reason being, she can have all of the self-independency. Uh, oh, I'm not take, but at the same time, women. And please, I don't want to take the. I don't. There's a self accountability for everything, but at the same time, a woman is a instinctive. Um, she's gonna she's a follower at the end of the day a woman is a follower now we got women out here that's leading we got a woman that's going to run for president we got yeah. women in high places you know but at a woman's core she wants to be led she likes strength she wants a man that's strong da, 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 da. somebody that can offer the security that she needs so that she can focus on raising the kids and, if, somebody, and, and not even just gonna be the, the, the figurehead she wants to be wanted she wants to be loved she don't yeah. want to always have to be the man and you know so when you have that fact because i mean it's now you got some women like i don't need shit but at the end of the day they wouldn't design like that we were not designed like that check first it of all, out. Huh? check it out you take away the welfare paychecks that are coming mm-hmm. in what happens next now she's gonna have to develop, get up she's gonna have to develop her skills to she gotta get up. she's gonna have to pick a man because women do pick and then you know what happens though if you do that you take the woman and you put her back into the real world yeah when you put her back into the real world she, she gets a notice and wait a minute she man. gotta up her game get up your game you know, then I, 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 I she ain't hate, just gonna pick any old dude put, with a swinging dick she's gonna pick somebody that's actually gonna, gonna stick around I told my sister this and I hate to put her business out in the street, but I say, I say it like this. I, it was a point in her life where she had a decision to make about how she wanted to live her life. And I said, I want you to go. And this was just a, uh, just some advice. I said, I want you to go downtown, mm-hmm. get your dress, go downtown, um, go to happy hour, mingle with people that have jobs, that have careers, that have the resources to be able to go take a break at five o'clock when they get off work, spend a little money. Go and see what that's like. 
go out there and, 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 and rub shoulders with some of those people because these are people that are every day getting up, doing things with themselves, uh, making something of themselves, or, you know, working, whatever the situation may be. That'll take you out of the mentality that, 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 that this is all that there is. I've been lucky enough to be able to travel around this country, not the world yet, but this country. Yeah. There are two different types of people. People that are doing shit, people that ain't doing shit. Now, if you're sitting <laughs> on public assistance... Unfortunately, there's more of the, one type than exactly. the other. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're sitting in the public assistance projects every day of your life... Ain't nobody doing shit. You, that's all you know. It, that's all you're going to do. It looks like that's the world. I'm from... Well, I come here from L.A., I go back to L.A. sometime, and I got friends that do music and whatnot. They're in Compton, California. I know some of them that never been out of Compton. Compton is about this big, you know. They never been in, they never even been to Hollywood, which is like 20 minutes away. Oh, wow. And the epicenter of entertainment, the epicenter of everything that, you know, that we see and do. And, and even like, though it's 20 minutes away, it still feels so, so unobtainable. That's a mental stronghold. Yeah. That assistance, that... That welfare mentality, and I don't even like to call it welfare mentality. I, to me, it's it's um it's a product that was sold, that has been embedded, and people don't want to sometimes. Like I hear people say all the time, "You think I want this? I want more for my life." Well, yeah, they're, then they're go not, get I mean, it. They're not forced to. No, you're into not that forced. struggle like, not like your parents were forced into that struggle. I'm not forced to get up and go to work every day, but I get up and go to work every day. I'm not forced. I'm you you, you have the option. At worse, you have the option to do the wrong shit to get out of your circumstances. Mm. So that's at the worst case scenario. Like nobody's telling you you can't do anything. For those that believe in God and the um you know in 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 in, in that outlook God don't even say you got to do nothing. He don't say you have to do anything. All he say is, if you want to roll with me, this is the way you got to go about doing it. But in your own life, you make whatever decision you want to make. That's be it good or bad, right? So we live in a world where, like, if you go back to the old days, right? Prohibition and the, and the, and the, and the mafia families. and the, These were these were good, good dudes. Like, like, they took care of their families, but they did whatever they had to do to do what they needed to get done. Now we live in a society where you don't even have to do that. All you have to do is just get up and go do something. That's it. It starts with yourself. So that meant it ain't, it ain't nearly as hard it's now not as, hard. As, it, as it was at one it's point. It's not hard for anybody. Now, if you're not educated, there's, 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 there's resources for that. You know, it's not an excuse anymore. You know, we live in an information world, like where, like, you, for instance, what we're doing right now, people have gotten rich off this. Right here. Yeah, sitting here having well, conversations like you and me, right? A here. microphone, and mm -hmm. all you're doing is talking about real world topics. People have made a living. Hustling. Yep. It's a hustle. So either you have it in you or you don't. And nine times out of ten, the people that don't have allowed themselves to get so caught up in what this world will give you that they didn't lost, you know, it, because you know, like they say, uh, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. You got a lot of people out here and lost that natural instinctive desire to go and do, you know, well, like on that note, let me let me wrap this thing up. Wrap it up. It's a, I feel like that. I think we covered a lot of ground, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, lot of yeah. good stuff right there. Like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> uh, let, let, me, let me ask you, um, um, for those of you who've, who've had fathers in your life and, and you, you look up to them, um, what, what does that mean to you? What do, what do you imagine your life would be like without having had that? You know, and imagine if you lost it now, what would your life look like? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, 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 
not enough that can be said about the role of a father in their child's just be there. life. Because you know what? My it, parents, they're, they're still married. They're still yeah. together. My dad's been in my life since and I can the day tell. I was born. And I can tell. It makes <laughs> the world You can see it. It's yeah. like a badge. Like, it, oh, that dude, if it was You don't even have to say you, nothing. You already know. You can just tell. It's like an unspoken code yeah. or something. And, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even have to ask you. Yeah. I can kind of tell yeah. your parents yeah. were together. Yeah. You know, you yeah. had your father. And, you, you know. and it's anyway, funny. Just, before we go, I just want to say that being there is important because it's just like um when you plant the seed it might not manifest itself immediately it took me a long time it even i'm still working on it but the seed was sown early in life mm -hmm. and you will begin to see in your children who you have been if you've been upright and a good guy and a good positive example you'll see it they're gonna do crazy stuff eventually they have to it's life but then you'll see what you taught them manifest itself in their lives. And it's a proven fact both ways. If you're not there, chances are shit's going to get real. If you're there, shit's still going to get real. But the end outcome has a higher percentage where they come back. To their their you know their teachings you know so, so you you heard there. from my man Ron Ford himself yeah just right be there, there. Is. all right y'all peace out peace out wow was that not the best idea gasm you've ever had want to do it again go to unframeofmind.com to find more mind stretching world altering podcasts videos and articles and get those critical thinking juices flowing.